You're listening to Errol Parker and Clancy Overall, editors of The Batuta Advocate on Desert Rock FM. Welcome back to the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, recording live here in downtown Batuta in the old city district. Uh, Errol's got to go see a man about a dog this week in Baduri, so it's just me hosting. Clancy Overall, editor of the Batuta Advocate. This week we're, uh, we've got, finally, for a bit of representation, we've got a couple Queenslanders on the <laughs> podcast because we have been underrepresented. I mean, aside from, you know... Errol and myself, you know, most of the guests, I think we got lucky with Bernard Fanning a few months back, but for the most part, it's usually been arrogant Southerners on our program, so we're very excited today to have our guests who come in the shape of the Australiana Rama podcast, which has just launched today and has a bit of hype around the first episode. Now, Australiana Rama is described as a history and pop culture podcast about the land down under. It's hosted by Jessica Aidy and Maddie Nixon, both Queenslanders, as I mentioned earlier, and they work together to uncover, revisit, and highlight some of the bizarre cultural traits that we as Australians seem to overlook, whether they be historical moments or cultural quirks that we just seem to take in our stride and never really look into. Now, the first episode is about the Emu War, which we will allow them to describe to you in their first episode that's out now. They'll also be covering the Woman's Weekly Cake Book, the dual citizenship crisis of Parliament in 2017. There's plenty of things that happen in Australia in the news cycle and in the history books that we just don't talk about as much as we should. Some of these things haven't even been documented in the history books, but they did happen and they are there. Now, to give us the rundown on all of that is today's guests, Maddie Nixon and Jessica Aidy. Thank you for joining us. We're talking about things that, that exist. They're not necessarily things that have been ignored in Australian history, but they're things that we haven't really dissected. Is that what the passion came from? You guys are looking at things in the history books and you go, what happened there? Let's just zone in on that for a second. Absolutely. I think... Look, we're both nerds, mm-hmm. so that's a part of it. Uh, <laughs> but I, I, I think my first kind of dive into what the fuck moments in Australian history was Expo 88. A pivotal shining light mm-hmm. here in sunny Brisbane, Queensland, where I'm from. Yep. But like, what the fuck was that? That was a whole thing. Mm-hmm. So when you dive in, you know, the layers of not just the absurdity of the thing and not just the cultural pinnacle moment that happened, but the level of politics involved. And that was really interesting. And then, of course, that set off a chain of, well, what are other things that are just fascinating but also absolutely baffling that have happened? Now, you both represent both sides of, uh, I guess, production on stage and and otherwise. You're in the podcast realm. But we've got, you know, Jessica, you are a performer. Maddie, you are... A writer. Have you two ever worked together on stage before, or this is you, this is the first time you guys have kind of worked together in the audio format? Yeah, no, we we never have because we've been best mates for a long time, but we've never actually worked together. So, I mean, it's gone well so far, but <laughs> yeah. we'll see. And this could I be it. We, we could do one app and then the relationship's over. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. No. Well, <laughs> podcast is good, you know. This is uh, training wheels. But yeah. what have you guys been working on over the last year? Because we have, I mean. Uh, Obviously, the podcast has, has come together quite well, but heading into COVID-19, what were you guys up to? Oh, well, I i mean, I was meant to be doing comedy shows and things, and then yeah. they all got cancelled quite quickly, which is a million years ago. And then I've been taking turns about the garden, 
yep. doing the podcast, playing the piano, writing stuff, which hopefully I will then do this year. Yep. And yeah, I think it was during that time that we both were maybe just doing a lot of weird research. And that's why like the podcast happened because there's so many things that like you know about and you know that they happened, but no one's really questioned it. And like, everyone's just <laughs> fine. Mm. They're like, oh yeah, that's fine that we go to the big pineapple, that there was an emu war, just that Harold Holt went for a swim and went away. And then there's a memorial swimming pool in his honor. And then yeah. everyone's just like, yeah, that checks out. That's fine. Well, the Harold Holt mm. sw- like memorial swimming pool is kind of up there with, it's the equivalent of doing a, a rifle range for JFK, isn't it? Like, yeah. Mm. It's, uh, yeah. you can't even call it distasteful or insensitive because no one's thought about that. No, no one has given it a moment's thought, as far as I <laughs> no. can tell. It would be like naming a stingray Steve. Mm. Like, it's mm-hmm. just, you just don't. Like, people would be outraged. Yeah. And yet, here we are. We're like, go for a dip in the pool. Mm. Say hello. As, <laughs> as, as, see how Queen- you as Queensland as you are, uh, you kind of uh, you're in the best position to kind of talk about this stuff because Queensland does have such a uh, eccentric history. How would you say a lot of comparisons made between Queensland and the South of the United States, but it's a bit different to that. I, I don't think you can actually draw that comparison because you know it's 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 quirky and it's kitsch, which I don't think we really see in that nostalgic kind of Southern America. Expo '88 is a perfect example of that. Some of the some of the decorations and puppets and uh, choreography we saw at those ceremonies and again into the uh, Commonwealth Games that Brisbane also hosted under Joe, it, w- it was pretty pretty out of this world. Uh, what, what was it about that particular era of Queensland? Obviously, uh, it was before your time. You weren't up and about watching, uh, watching ABC broadcasts of this stuff. But what do you think it was about that era that kind of created this monoculture you could argue but also just just i guess this vibe this aesthetic there was like the data learning off itself and we're constantly telling ourselves (laughs) that this is all normal yeah i think it's it's a combination of a few things but like working in theater and performance here i we we always talk about how brisbane loves nostalgia Mm -hmm. like queenslanders love a nostalgia trip so if you pitch any kind of show or any kind of film or whatever that is about you know a, a kitsch and Australianerism and whatever, like audiences go off. And I, I think the, that that period of time, yes, it was this absolutely wild acid trip of colour and culture and performance, but it was an absolute liberation because Joe Bjorka-Peterson had just been done for. And so Brisbane went from, oh, you're not allowed to eat outside, like alfresco dining was illegal, to... <laughs> every single artist has a gig for an entire year and is having the best time of their lives and people from around the country are coming and partying and all sorts of nonsense is happening. So it was this, you know, pivotal moment. And we, Jess and I both went to uni in Brisbane and did arts degrees and our lecturers were the people who were like, it was the golden era. If you go down Queen Street, that statue, that was me. I posed for that, that statue from 88, that was me. You know, And they just talk about it as if it was this liberation <laughs> that happened. And so I think that the aesthetic of that era has definitely lingered on because they're holding on to it. Like, this is what it is. This is what culture is. So 
So yeah. much of it is still there, like visible yeah. in the city. You can see the impact of Expo 88 if you look for it. Mm-hmm. Like the weird statues are still there, Stefan's Needle, like all these things are there. And because I know, because my parents had like a year long pass for Expo 88 because they were meant to be teaching in Brisbane and then got transferred to like Eidsvold. But so they, they came down on like weekends and on holidays. Like everyone, it's not just Brisbane, like everyone went to Expo 88. Which is wild. Sorry, they they would come back every single weekend just to just to maybe see not you. every weekend, <laughs> but when whenever they could make it from you know rural North Queensland yeah. to Brisbane, oh, that, would be, that would have been a bit of it's fun. It's wild. Like one of the universities in Brisbane, I think it's Griffith. They have the shade sails that were used at the expert, and they're like, we have the shade sails <laughs> that people. Like people were shaded from the sun under these sails at yeah. Expo. Well, you how know, amazing is that? Sentimental. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Your, your podcast isn't all about the uh, the post Joe kind of uh, liberation no. of Queensland. You've got a <laughs> you've got could've. a few different um, topics coming out in this podcast. Emu War, obviously very interesting, and uh, we won't talk too much about that one because that's the first one out the gates. But you have uh, delved into the Women's Weekly Cake Book. Oh. Yes, what, we what have. sparked this interest? Obviously, everyone who's ever seen one of those cakes is interested in this. But uh, for you guys, <laughs> what was it? Well, I think because I, I bought the book during COVID, as did apparently a lot of people, according to my research, um, and had like made one for Maddie. And like, because it's the vintage edition is the one that they sell. They did release a 40th anniversary one, which is less probo, but it's still the same from the 80s you can buy it they haven't removed anything dodgy it's still there and it's one of those things that again no one's really questioned it it's just like no this is a thing that we all have and that we love and that's that's fine i've seen a swimming pool in action i've seen the blue jelly swimming pool mm. cake mm. in action did you were any of you lucky enough to get that as uh, as uh, you know young birthday girls I never had the swimming pool, but I don't think I ever requested the swimming pool. Maybe one of my siblings did. I've definitely, I've definitely met one. Like I've met her in my in my life. But um, I remember having the duck once with like the popcorn. Oh yeah. Mm, but not. The it's pool. a bit of a cult. The old, the old, all the cooking books in general, um, particularly before anyone had a great understanding of what Asian food was. Some of the yeah. early uh, women's weekly cookbooks were, uh, were were quite. I mean, Rogan Josh. Um, was kind of mastered here in Australia in the tabloid magazines. <laughs> yeah, and mango chicken and oh, which yeah. is apparently which is apparently a curry. <laughs> Apricot chicken. Mm. Oh, even more exotic, mate. Delicious though. That's a Sunday like. night special. <laughs> uh, I actually have a bunch of old Women's Weekly magazines that I got for collage but reading them is wild and there was a whole I think it's from the 70s it was like inventive things to do with banana and then it is just like (laughs) things that are the introduction of Asian food and yeah terrifying what what else are we working with here the first six uh, Australiana Rama podcasts coming out there's uh, one that I'm actually not familiar with you're going to have to give us a kind of synopsis on this the difficult bird group Oh, poor. You're lucky. Mm. So that'll be coming up in a couple of weeks. The Difficult Bird Group are a really amazing team of researchers that I 
just could not love more because I think I read about them in an article a while ago and essentially there's a lot of endangered birds in Australia and a lot of them just really don't want to help themselves. <laughs> like they're not, you know? It's- yeah. You know how like pandas are like, we don't want to have sex, we're too tired, we're yeah. done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm. But it's- we're like, you have to. It's a bit like that. Yeah. It's not just habitat loss, it's a lot of self-sabotage and that's where the difficult bird group are like chartering planes, they're, like they're doing things to try and keep these beautiful and fascinating and ancient dumb birds alive. So I've done some research into them. They're really cool. That's such a patient name, the difficult bird group. You know, where they're not it's not patronizing in any way. It's not passive aggressive. It's just mm. this is this is what we're dealing with. No, they they love the birds. They do. Um, and then, but I think they're on the record as calling some of them morons. So there's a quote oh, yeah. in there yeah. that I can't remember now. But yeah, yeah. It, with great love, they are just like these are the dumbest birds. Yeah, moron is as bad as harsh as it gets. Yeah, they're well, doing the Lord's work. <laughs> well, look, you sometimes sometimes the pressure can become a bit too much when you're dealing with these difficult birds. And, mm. You mm. know, I'm sorry I said it. You know. I shouldn't have called you a moron. <laughs> you shouldn't have eaten that shiny piece of alfoil. Like, you know, it's uh yeah. it's not it's your yeah. it's not your fault that sugar gliders have developed a taste for you and you can't get away. It's not their fault. Yeah. Yeah. I shouldn't have called you a moron. You shouldn't have eaten your own eggs. Um <laughs> yeah. yeah. It's a high stakes relationship situation. You know, we've all been in them. The mm, difficult bird group is kind of reminiscent obviously uh for very different reasons, but um, in terms of like, uh, you know, very passionate animal rights groups or animal advocacy groups to the uh, the Brisbane Cat Society. Perhaps I'm, I'm, I'm hospital passing you, uh, shortballing you a potential episode in the near future. But that's, a, that's yeah, an interesting one absolutely. you should look into because uh, before the internet, uh, the cat societies were quite a popular thing around the world and there were a lot of chapters. And the Brisbane Cat Society ended up being overtaken with a strain of jealous rage uh, among members and they all started killing each other. So that's um, that, that, that should be an interesting one for, for Australiana Rama. Uh, a couple murders. I think the treasurer got knocked off, all in the name of cats. Oh, my God. That's amazing. <laughs> I mean, Maddie, fair enough. Luck. Maddie has a fair cat enough. behind her right now. Yeah, it's like you summoned mm. my cat while saying that was spooky. If, if you don't hear from me again, <laughs> go looking, please. But whoever you talk to, everyone has something. Like everyone has a special subject or like a weird thing that they know about. Um, and I think yeah. that's another thing that I want to do with the podcast is just if someone, if there's a special guest that has a special topic that they want to talk about that they don't have any profession in, but they mm-hmm. just really care about, it's like, yes, tell me about the yeah. CWA or the Cat Tell Society me, or whatever. And I will go down the rabbit hole. Mm. One one more recent, uh, you know, uh, kind of phenomena in Australia that almost everyone listening to this podcast and listening to your podcast will remember is the dual citizenship crisis that, uh, oh. that took place around 2017. Uh, it was probably the first arrow that Turnbull took to the knee. Uh, <laughs> within his own party. Yeah. I think it was before... It was before Barnaby. Well, Barnaby was a big it part was, of this. It but was, it was, but yeah. it was before Barnaby had a, a little, uh, you know, New Zealander Surprise. of his own to worry about. Yeah. Uh, 
can you tell us about this? Because this is something that hasn't really been drilled down on. And as it was happening, sure, we were shocked. You know, new names pop up, starts with the Greens, kind of ends up going through the National Party. And mm. then uh, Labor's sitting there very, very cocky saying, oh, you know, one thing Labor's good at is digging up dirt on their uh, on their bloody members, <laughs> you know, heading into pre-selection. And then, of course, a couple of Labor guys go down. Yeah. Tell us yeah. a little bit about this. And what you've found. Look, if there's one thing that could unite every party, it's that everyone had a dual citizen <laughs> in their midst. Yeah, Pauline, I think I it's one of those. Pauline, Lambie. <laughs> oh, yeah, Pauline's party. Cook. That's no spoilers, but there is some juicy One Nation gossip in there. Oh, yeah. Um, and Malcolm Turnbull was pretty smart ass about it when it all began, too, and actually really was quite on the record as quite critical. And then, of course, Barnaby Joyce, Deputy Prime Minister. Mm. But it's, it's one of those things that when it happened, it, it took a little while for everyone, as in like citizens, to catch up on actually how huge this thing kind of was to our constitution. <laughs> and then it just kind of went away. Like it, it happened, this whole thing blew up, you know, a, a quarter of parliament was potentially not going to be able to sit. And then it was like, oh yeah, no, but we just kind of fixed it and, and it's fine and we've moved on. So it was it was kind of a bit of a treat to dig it all back up um, and go through it again and just remember actually how heinously huge it was. And it was international news when it happened and people were like, is Australia okay? Yeah. And well, I mean, no, like no like we no. weren't. They kind of, <laughs> like the high court, it feels like the high court started bending rules because- Oh, yeah. If you want to to look at this the way that a country, you know, like, you know, a very staunch kind of democracy would look at this, you know, you start looking at France, for example, who care a lot about the laws and the political class are held to account over there. You know, they ban smoking in cafes, people start burning cars. Yeah. If you look at a country like that, and if they were to deal with something like this. Oh, yeah. Anarchy. I mean, it would be be anarchy, but it would also be like. I mean, we'd, we'd go down that rabbit hole. The High Court chose not to. They just sacked a couple of sitting MPs. But really, if a, a potentially a quarter of parliament were dual citizens and therefore illegally elected, do we go back and repeal every law that every single one of them has voted on? Yeah, that's you know? the really scary thing is that yeah. it's like the fallout of all the decisions that they made in that time. And they didn't get have to pay any of their money back or no. anything. Like it was no. it was huge. But it was and also like the irony of the time of them being like, oh yeah, but if if we have to if we're gonna change marriage, yeah. like we have to do a vote, because that's you know, we can't just change that rule. Like mm. we can't as the government just change that the High Court can't just change that rule by themselves. But when it comes to constitution, like I yeah. don't no, no, the constitution's fine. We'll just sweep that under yeah. the rug. No, no, but we'll you on. just get sacked for a bit and then we'll have a by election, you'll be back in your same role, and then we'll sack you again when we find out you've knocked up your meter advisor. But that that was basically all we really saw. And and also it's funny you say with the with the you know the plebiscite and the backdrop in 2017, but you also had the um, you know had 2016 where we had the kind of the rise of ISIS and the hysteria and uh, you know a lot of you know the xenophobia really ramped up and yeah, um, yeah. Peter Dutton was really given a platform and then all of a sudden we realised you know one in four Australians are native born to native born parents and it it's shown through 
very much so in our political class. I mean, who would have thought Jackie Lambie's dad was Scottish? Like, or yeah, or yeah, yeah, Barnaby Joyce for that matter. Thirteen years in the Senate, illegally elected. I look forward to this episode. <laughs> yeah, it's good. It's good. It's a good like all of those pent up feelings. It's yeah. <laughs> have a listen and just <laughs> get them out. <laughs> uh. Now, uh, well, I'm going to be obviously. Uh, you can tell I'm I'm excited for the for the episodes. But can you give us a rundown on any dreams you want to? You know, you know, if, if we gave Australiana Rama a million dollars tomorrow, what is the story you would chase? Uh, mine's mine's got to be. I mean, we've already spoken about it, but it's got to be Bjorka Peterson. But that that you could do like you, an entire mm-hmm. three season podcast mm. on that. But if you were to do the proper deep dive, absolutely, and interview people in and around the drama that as it, yeah, fell the apart. Dean brothers. You could do a whole episode on the Dean brothers. They were mm. the um, they were the Indian Muslim demolition family who Joe was very good friends with, who would do whatever yeah. he said in the middle of the night and perhaps yeah. knock down Cloudland at two in the morning by accident. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes, we've come across them uh, yeah, once still or around. twice. In a- <laughs> yeah, still around. <laughs> in a- what did they yeah I worked at Boggo Road. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, Jessica, uh, what about you? It's just, I mean, I wouldn't want to pick one. I want to have the time to go into every little strange thing that we could and have have guests on. And because another thing that we're going to do is like go into like pop culture as well as history, like occasionally watch a film um, and interrogate that sort of thing. Yeah, I just, because I really enjoy finding out just the strange things that everyone's accepted and been like, this is fine. And just finding out more about all of those. I don't think there's one that I could pick. Although I do look forward to researching my special oh, yeah. subject, the big pineapple, in more depth. Um, so that'll well, be coming. On, on that note, um, I think you've left us with a lot to look forward to. Just quickly, was the big pineapple the first big thing? I don't yeah, know. It's... I've not Googled it. No. I don't think no. so because that was in the 70s. There'd be well, an earlier big, had the big, big thing. Which was. Not as big as the real one, and um, no. And Some may Coast. say the small, sad, appropriated. So, so therefore, not the big. <laughs> yeah. Look, the big pineapple may not have been the first, but it might be the most important. Mm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You it's know? um. Yeah. yeah no, <laughs> Certainly in my life. There in the um, you know, in the kind of hinterland of the Sunshine Coast, you could you could find an episode in every town you pull into. So, um, oh, yeah. Nambour, Ruddy, and Wayne Swan in the same grade at school. That's where I grew up. I've got some dirt. <laughs> yeah, so I look forward to that episode. <laughs> and then we can do, um, I guess when COVID um, wraps up, we'll do Australiana Rama live from your Monday. That sounds like a bit of fun. Yeah, we'll go to the markets. <laughs> yeah. oh, we'll just pop down the markets. The first yeah. place anyone in Queensland ever smelt sandalwood. Um, yeah. <laughs> Well, thank you for joining us today on the Batuta Advocate Radio Show, Maddie and Jessica from Australiana Rama. We look forward to the work you're doing and we look forward to the stories you uncover. Thank you. We're super excited. Thanks for having us. 